So good morning, Sangha. Can you all hear me? So today we are going to have instructions on the second foundation of mindfulness, which is feeling tone, or in Pali, Vedana. And this one is one of the most important things to notice. And it's probably pretty, I don't want to say easy, but it's one of the things that we can uh, notice the impermanence of it. It's always changing. Vedana changes a lot. And we can just collect the data on impermanence of feeling tone. So I'm going to do... I'll just do the Vedana. Okay, let's come into a whole body awareness. From the top of our head to our toes, if we have them. It's fine if we don't. We will be exploring the impermanence and conditionality of feeling tone. Let's start with our heads. We will be checking our heads, including our face and the sides of our head and the back and the top for any pleasant sensations. Pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. So feeling our face and the sides of our head and back and top. Any pleasant sensations there. Moving to our shoulders and our neck. Is there any pleasant sensations there? And to our upper arms and our lower arms and our hands. We can anchor our attention on any sensations these body parts are offering, but looking to see if there's any pleasant. But whatever is offered is fine. Just being aware of that. Moving to our upper torso, do we feel any pleasant sensation in our hearts? in our upper torso. Moving to our lower torso. Is there any pleasant sensations here? The expanding and contraction of the breath. Moving to our pelvic area. the hardness on the seat, the touching, 
Is it pleasant? Moving to our upper legs, our thighs. What Vedana is here? Any pleasant sensations? To our knees and to our calves, our lower legs. Scanning for pleasant. And to our feet. Thank you, feet. The bottom and the tops and our toes. Coming back into a whole body awareness. Pleasant Vedana. Just feeling our whole body. Is there any pleasant feeling tone anywhere? Now starting with our feet, looking for unpleasant. Is there any tingling or pulsating or any unpleasant or painful sensations in the feet? To our ankles and our calves. What Vedana is being offered? Any unpleasant sensations? Slightly unpleasant, maybe, in the knees and then the thighs. What feelings are being offered? What sensations? Are they unpleasant? Moving to our pelvic area. Feeling that earth element, that hardness and density. Is there any unpleasant sensations here? Urgency to urinate or defecate. Any unpleasant Vedana in the pelvic area? And to our lower torso, our bellies. What does it feel like to digest breakfast? There's a lot of fire and earth and water element doing their job. How does that feel? Is it any unpleasant sensations? Moving to our upper torso. Feeling our heart and our breathing. Anything unpleasant? Slightly uncomfortable or severely uncomfortable? into our shoulders. What is the feeling tone here? 
any unpleasant, our upper arms and lower arms and our hands, holding our arms and hands in awareness, scanning for unpleasant feeling tone. And our neck. A lot of times there's tension right at the neck where the neck meets the shoulders. Do we have any tension there? Can we feel the slight or deep unpleasantness of that tension? What does that feel like? And moving up to our heads our face, any unpleasant sensations, maybe a toothache or a dry mouth. (laughs) How does that feel? The sides of our heads and the back and the top. Any unpleasant sensation? Holding our whole body in awareness. Thank you, body. Holding it in loving awareness. Any unpleasant sensations anywhere in the body? Those will change. They are impermanent. And finally, neutral feelings. Let's start with our head. I guess there's a lot of neutral feeling in the face. But that is impermanent. The sides of our head and the back and the top. Neutral feelings. Our necks. Any neutral sensations? And our shoulders? And our upper arms? And elbows and lower arms? What sensations are offered here? Are they neutral? That will change. Our wrists and our hands? Any neutral sensation? Moving to our upper torso, our hearts and our lungs and our skin. That's earth element and air element and fire element. Feeling the feeling tone of the upper torso. Is the heart emanating love and gratitude or is it just neutral? The lower torso, air element, 
movement is stretching the abdomen. What's the Vedana, the feeling tone of that? It'll change into our pelvic area. Are the feelings neutral? Earth element of us sitting on the cushion, the hardness, solidity. Is it neutral? And our thighs, our upper legs. And our knees. And our lower legs. What sensations are offered? What's the feeling tone? Is it neutral? Holding our feet in awareness. Feeling the bottom and the top. Is there a neutral feeling tone? Coming back into a whole body loving awareness. Thank you, body. I appreciate you. Where is there neutral feeling tone in the body? Whatever is the most predominant sensation in the body, what's the feeling tone? Is it neutral? Coming into a whole body awareness, neutral feeling tone. Now we can rest in a whole body awareness and let mindfulness pick the most predominant sensation. This is the first and second foundations of mindfulness working together. What's the feeling tone of the physical sensations? What does it want you to do to move or to move closer? to watch more closely or to back away. It's great to see the intention to move. Unpleasant feeling tone creates an intention to move, to change that. See if you can catch that intention. Or what are the intentions associated with pleasant feeling tone? Is it to move closer, to anchor in the pleasant? There's actually worldly pleasant and unworldly pleasant. And it's totally a good idea if you're experiencing unworldly pleasant to anchor your attention there. Maybe it's a warmth in the heart or some other place in the body. 
it's good to just feel that. Are their thoughts arising? Are they pleasant or unpleasant? Every contact we have has a feeling tone to it. Can we identify it? Watch how feeling tone changes. And watch what the energetic hit is. What does it want us to do? How is it changing? Now let's scan our mind. Is there any pleasant feeling tone in our mind, our heart mind? What is being known in the mind heart? What's the feeling there? Is it pleasant? Are there thoughts and emotions arising that create unpleasant Vedana, unpleasant feeling tone? Is there unpleasant or neutral Vedana in our heart and mind? When our mind wanders and we bring it back to the present moment, there's actually a subtle, pleasant sensation that happens. 
Being in the present moment is pleasant Vedana. Being here right now is pleasant. If we're thinking, is it a memory or a fantasy? What prompted that thought to arise? Was it neutral feeling tone? Are we looking for pleasure? Notice the push of neutral feeling tone. Notice the push of unpleasant feeling tone. Scratch me, stretch me, move me. See the energetic hit that arises, the intention. It's always changing. Notice the impermanence of feeling tone, the conditionality of it. It's always changing. We can see the direct experience of conditionality Explore the felt sense of impermanence, changing feeling tone. There's no need to sit through pain for a long time. First explore the push, then scratch or move or whatever the push is.
What is the strongest physical, physical sensation in the body? Is it the wind element or earth element or water or fire? Notice how it's changing. They're all impermanent. Is there unpleasant Vedana in the body? Pressure or stretching or tingling? What's the push of that? Notice the push and then do what you need to do. What is the feeling tone of hearing? Is it unpleasant or pleasant? Is it neutral? It's impermanent.
What is the most predominant physical sensation in the body? What's the feeling tone? How is it changing? Another thing to watch how it changes is the five hindrances. There's two pairs that are opposite each other. Are we sleepy or tired? Can't focus. What's the feeling tone of that? Are we restless and worried? How does that feel? How does it arise and pass away? Do 
we have greed or desire for something. What's the feeling tone? Do we have aversion towards something? Holding the hindrances in a frame of mindfulness. Not I, not mine, not self. And then doubt. Do we believe this practice is useful, helpful? Do we have faith? Any merit we've generated by doing this meditation, may we all quickly become the state of a Buddha in order to help everyone be relieved of suffering. So we have a few minutes for questions. And I invite all of the teachers to answer if they have a compelling answer. I wonder if we need to circulate a mic. Do we have a mic? We can do that. We can circulate a mic. Okay. Thank you. That's kind. Oh, here's a mic right here. Any questions? Oh, here's one. Oh, there's a couple. Thank you, Victoria. Thank you. I have a question uh, relating to unpleasant sensations. I've been part of several Vipassana retreats, traditional one in Shelburne Falls, and the premise was to sit through any unpleasant sensation and sit through pain, not to move, not to do anything. What you were saying, that there is no need to sit through the pain. And can you say more about this difference between this, I don't know, are they two different traditions or why why is this difference? 
want to answer also? Yeah, we can both say something. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, there's, thank you so much for the question. That is a really important question. Because um, <clears throat> there are so many lineages. Uh, there are so many ways of practicing what we call Vipassana meditation. So Vipassana means seeing clearly. That's a basic translation of that. And there are many uh, teachers who developed uh, in you know, different countries in Asia who've taught a, you know, many different ways of practicing so that we can develop this insight that Bonnie talked about last night. And so in Shelburne Falls, um, there's a center where a Vipassana technique is taught that is rooted in the SN Goinka, Goinka G trans, um, lineage. And there are a lot of body scans that are, that are um, used in that particular technique. I haven't personally practiced that, but I'm aware of the, the basics of, it, of the practice. And um, also whatever teachings are given about practicing with um, unpleasant Vedana. And, and then there are many, many other master, uh I mentioned that I, my, my particular teachings are rooted in the, in the um, teachings of Mahasi Sayada from Burma. So the SN Goenka tradition, that comes from Burma also, but a different sort of grandfather teacher, Uba Khin. What's important about this is, is to have a sense, I think, that people, it's important for people to have a sense of where the teachings that they're, they're receiving and instructions are coming from so that you can discern what practices are most resonant for you. Um, and so, you know, coming from the stage, there is a, a, some influence of the sort of what we would call a modified Mahasi method coming from the, um, some of the instructions from like Victoria and I, which is breath-based, and then noticing other experiences. And then um, um, S.N. Goenka is not the only person who instructed with body scans. And I'll get to the... That's what I was just about to say. There's, a, there's another teacher, Bhikkhu Analia, which was Bonnie, Bonnie's influenced by. Um, and, you know, we've also had he some. Lives up the street. <laughs> yeah. So in terms of unpleasant Vedana and practicing with that, there are, there are going to be different ways that these different lineages approach practicing with that. And um, I would just offer you this instruction with a noticing unpleasant Vedana. First of all, it's when we're noticing Vedana, we're noticing the feeling tone, it's, it's the simply just the, the pleasant, unpleasant, or neither pleasant nor unpleasant aspect of every experience of body and mind. It comes along automatically. Every one of the things the Buddha noticed is every experience we have of body or mind is either pleasant, unpleasant, or neither pleasant nor unpleasant. Now, we use the term neutral as a shorthand sometimes, but really what it is is the absence of unpleasantness or pleasantness. Now, when the mind is reactive, reacts um, to that experience, it can cause in by liking or disliking it. So liking or disliking is a different thing, is another step beyond just the experience of the pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. So when we... we 
experience that our habit is to either like pleasant and want to keep it or dislike unpleasant and want to push it away or um, space out on the neither pleasant nor unpleasant. And that keeps us in a state of delusion, not really understanding the truth of the way things are, not really seeing clearly such universal characteristics as impermanence, etc. And so what we can explore in our practice is um, to notice the, the Vedana first, um, and you might notice liking, disliking, or you know, that you're not wanting to be with. You're, you, you were previously unaware of this neutral Vedana that you might have um, just happened to bring, come and be noticing in your practice. And then, um, you know, beyond that, we can then have an intention to want to hold on to the pleasant, to push away at the unpleasant, including in the body. And so I would really invite you to practice with noticing pleasant, unpleasant, or neither. Noticing liking and disliking. What does that feel like in the body or the mind to have that reactivity to our feeling tone experience? What does that feel like in the body or mind? So not to move immediately. Not to just adjust to an unpleasant experience in the body. To actually bring the, bring the practice of mindfulness to this whole experience. And then as Bonnie was saying, the intention to move can arise in the mind with, with unpleasant experience. And to notice that intention arising. To notice it. And then actually to explore, has that, is, what does that unpleasant feeling feel like right now? Has it shifted or changed? It might have diminished. It might have increased. But in this just knowing and mindfulness, we may be able to actually be with that unpleasant experience and not have to um, react to it. So the stillness of the body can support the stillness of the mind. So what I would suggest is that we can practice with the unpleasant Vedana, liking or disliking, any intentions you notice to move. If you get to a point where it feels like, oh, I really need to protect this body by moving it, then to bring the mindfulness to the whole process of adjusting. So not to, we don't, there's no need to drop mindfulness during that experience. So if you're just feeling like, oh, I've been back to this place of like severe unpleasantness three times, <laughs> and you know, I'm, I think I need to protect my knee, um, then to notice the intention to move, you know, the feelings that are arising before that, notice the intention to move, notice the changing physical sensations of the body while moving, and, and notice what, what are the different feeling tones, experiences of the body in that area after the movement. So to really just gently and carefully, we do care for our bodies, um, and we, we keep the mindfulness practice there, exploring these important, you know, this, this, what it is really to be a human being and to have unpleasant, pleasant, and neither experiences happening all the time that we don't control. That's part of what we see. And then we see how the, the, uh, uh, the mechanism of suffering occurs when we react to it and we want what's here right now not to be what it is right now. So that's, that's kind of a general instruction. A little bit more detail on that. Christina? Just a brief adding to that, that um, the benefit of being able to sit through an unpleasant wave of experience is that we actually get to see that it... Oh. We actually get to 
It doesn't sound like it's on. No, we actually get to see that it um, comes to an end. So because we so habitually, when there's unpleasant, often there's reactivity right away. Let me get rid of this, let me deal with this. And then we don't get to see that unpleasant, like anything else in our conditioned experience, uh, arises and passes away. So that's the benefit of sitting through unpleasant. But like Tara was saying, um, sometimes if there is a lot of pain in the body, even having the mindfulness, being aware of this is painful, this is unpleasant, and the mindful shifting of our position, then it's not a reactivity, then it's not that habitual reaction to pain, but it's a mindful um, taking care of the pain so we don't continue on with that reactivity in the mind. So that's just what I wanted to add. And pain is a pretty abstract word. I mean, what is the pain? Is it pressure or tingling or stretching? Or To look a little bit more deeply at it can also provide some insight. Other questions? I think there was one right. Yeah, you said something about like what is the feeling tone of aversion and desire at one point. And so I started... So I thought, okay, I have this like recurring, I have these recurring thoughts. I wonder if they're aversion and or desire. And then I started thinking about the feeling tone. But then I kept going like, oh, that's so interesting <laughs> that it's this feeling tone. Maybe I should like investigate it. So when is it like just being curious versus making a story? Wow, that's a deep question. <laughs> um. Well, you know, are you bringing a lot of thoughts into it? Or are you just observing with your mindfulness? And, you know, we can uh, put a mindfulness frame even around a habitual way that we think. So, um, I mean, going closer into it is excellent. I mean, you know, what you did was checking out the feeling tone of... um, aversion or greed that's excellent practice right there for sure because usually with greed we're anticipating some pleasant feeling tone right or we're having a fantasy in our mind that's actually slightly pleasant that's very worldly though worldly pleasant and usually with aversion uh, we have a um, you know unpleasant feeling tone See, that's what we want to see. We just want to see the feeling tone associated with whatever constant, you know, repetitive uh, thoughts that we're having about who we are or what we're doing or this person or that organization or whatever. And to see, uh, and just to, you know, see the repetitive nature of thinking, you know, what are we thinking about? And, um, yeah, anything else? Victoria, got anything? (laughs) There's one right here in front of you. If you're thinking too much, though, yeah. I mean, you know, again, our thinking minds are brilliant and wonderful, but we are so going to take them out to lunch on Wednesday. (laughs) And the um, mindfulness, as I've been taught it, is from the secular tradition. Mm -hmm. And... um, if you can say secular tradition, I don't know if you can separate it that easily, but 
And that's kind of my question. You use the word faith. Faith, yeah. And that's not a word that's generally used in the secular mindfulness practice. And I was wondering how you viewed faith as fitting in and how that might relate to the word trust, which is something that is used in the secular tradition. Oh, that's a great question, yeah. And I'll have you know that I think it was sometime in 2018, I was sitting on the stage next to John Kabat-Zinn. <laughs> it was interesting. <laughs> and, um, well, faith is, it's almost like faith or confidence is another way of maybe expressing faith. It's like, I remember sitting here on a three-month retreat and... I was just so, you know, in love with the practice. I knew it had incredible value. And I was just swooning with faith. In fact, I had so much faith, I asked the teacher, can you have too much faith? Because <laughs> um, what's the term when, uh, what is it called, when you have too much of something that's good? Uh, do you know what I'm talking about? It's actually along the progress of insight. And, you know, you have too much of a good thing. It's not about... Hmm? You don't remember what the... Huh? Infatuation? No, it's a term for... Um, I'll figure it out and I'll tell it later, but it's a point in the progress of insight where um, all of your positive qualities are actually too strong. They're not balanced enough. So, and I remember having swooning with faith. It feels really good, and it's uh, unworldly pleasant, and, um, you know, it's totally fine to anchor in unworldly pleasant, because it will change, and that's what one of the positive outcomes of doing the practice, is that it actually feels really good in your body and heart. So... um, So what did you say, John? Was it John Kabat-Zinn you're talking about? And what is what what term does he use? Well, trust is a word. Oh, trust, trust. It probably is the same. Does it feel really good? And it's just like, yeah, this practice is badass. Well, well, I come from (laughs) a a Christian tradition. Oh, yeah. And so, trust feels like um, a lot more neutral and a lot more inward. As a, it's another root, uh, as an R O U T E. Um, to uh, a place of uh, kind of calm confidence because faith kind of implies needing to go through channels. Well, faith is actually a mental factor that arises mm-hmm. because of practice. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it doesn't have a cogn- necessarily a cognitive function to it at all. It is a, you know, a mental factor that arises and it actually feels really good. and yeah. In the Christian tradition, very often it feels like something different. Let me, uh, so I'd just like to respond to you from the Buddha Dharma tradition. So the word, when we're using the word faith, what we're referring to is the word sadha in Pali. So within the, um, the Buddha Dharma, sometimes that word is translated as, we're, we're talking in translations here. So sometimes we're, people will translate it as faith, sometimes as trust, sometimes as confidence. Yeah. 
And so there can be different kinds of trust, confidence, or faith in, um, in this practice. And so at times it can feel like a really strong just sense of confidence. This is, this is the path. This is the way to understand suffering and to get out of it. And so when we're talking about like that kind of really strong faith, and it feels like faith is maybe the right English word in those contexts. Um, but what, we're, what the aim really is mostly in our practice is to have what we tend to um, translate as a verified faith. So we've mentioned that in this practice, you come and see for yourself whether or not it is the, you know, a path that will lead in that direction that's onward leading for you towards this awakening of wisdom and compassion in your heart and mind. And we see it as the practice unfolds that this practice of mindfulness aligned with the, the ethics that we've been talking about and the, the whole path um, that that we can see how that transforms our hearts and minds. And that, that's where confidence, confidence in ourselves, our capacity to do the practice, confidence in the teachings, that's where that really can become very strongly rooted. And this word that we're, we're translating, sadha, refers also to this confidence in, our capac- in your own capacity to awaken. So not just the teachings themselves, And actually, the Buddha said that. He said, don't believe me. He said, you know, that won't work for you. You need to experience what I'm teaching yourself. Uh, You know, he was very adamant about that, that we can't just believe what he said, that we have to practice and have, you know, uh, as Tara said, verified faith. That's what it is. And then once you see it, it can be really strong. And it, it's very pleasant, kind of swoony. <laughs> Have you heard that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anything, uh, anything else? Oh, do we, were we out of time? Oh, yeah, maybe uh, one more, and then we'll all go to the announcements. Here's one. I have a question about the aversion, um, also uh, hindrances, like wondering about whether the orientation is meant to be to banish certain sensations or desires, or how are we supposed to relate to the things that were named as hindrances? Like I was thinking of sexual desire, that one confused me. Uh, You know, I think that... um all we need to do is collect the data on it, <laughs> you know. And, I mean, we could think our way through it, but that's really not um, the end of suffering that we're practicing. I mean, just to watch. You know, one thing definitely is when uh, negative emotions arise, greed, hatred, and delusion, you definitely want to not act on them. And when you can see them clearly with your mindfulness, you know not to act on them. And um, so you're, re- you know, that actually has a very big karmic implication because when you act on negative emotions, that's what's going to come back to you, <laughs> you know, negative and so-called harmful things. So, um, so what we need to do is just to watch it as closely as we can, 
Oftentimes, if we're feeling a lot of negativity, I mean, that's what happened in my August retreat. Half the time I was totally blissed out, (laughs) but I had a trauma trigger where, oh my God, I was so mad at this one person for saying one sentence. It was crazy. And I was thinking in my mind, this is what I'm going to do, and that's what I'm going to do. But I saw how crazy it was to feel that way. And uh, I just collected the data. I didn't try to think it out. I mean, all, you know, my mind would wander, and I would think about what I'd do. But, you know, a little bit of wisdom arose, like, of course you're not going to do that. And then as soon as it was, it was over, I saw the person and felt a lot of love for them and appreciation and gratitude. So it's so weird. It changes. That's one excellent thing to see, the impermanence of it all. But it's really important not to act on all the negative emotions. And one thing the Buddha said was to practice the Brahma Viharas, the divine abodes, you know, practice very strongly loving kindness and compassion and sympathetic joy and um, equanimity if you can. I'll just add one thing before we um, do our announcements. And, And in this particular context, if you notice the mind, especially like sexual desire and energy, sometimes it's helpful to notice what was the feeling tone right before that. Because have you been sitting here for 30 minutes and you're really bored? Yeah. And so you want to go to something pleasant? Ooh, fantasy? Yeah. So we can watch that. And is that helpful? To Is it onward leading to learning about um, and practicing and getting in the territory of awareness? So you can hold it like that. Oh, looking like check what the mind's doing when it's doing it. And is it helpful in this particular context right now? Maybe not so much. And then bring it back. So that's helpful. But sometimes that'll continue and you just have to really, you know, that's where it's good to have good samadhi because it'll be there very strongly, but it's less personal. You know, it's like you can see it and... You know, I would do a reflection like how many people in the world right now are feeling as horny as I am, <laughs> you know, and that re- and you realize that it's not personal at all. This is one of the things of being human. That's a very, very common sensation for sure. And you can reflect on the non-personalness non-person- of it. Yeah. And it's impermanent, too. Should I say this? Okay, I'm going to say it. Menopause is the best thing. <laughs> It is very cool. I love menopause because you have a lot less of that, and it's very cool. (laughs) So I want to make the announcement. So today we're going to start our practice meetings. And um, we always start with the um, people who are newest to the practice, and then on the last day the people who have more experience in the practice. They're 15 minutes long, and they're really about what is happening here and now in the practice. You know, how is this meditation going? Uh, You know, what are the good things? What are we confused about or having problems with? That's really what the interviews are about. And our beloved Christina here will offer sign-ups today. And uh, if you have a meeting with a teacher, don't sign up to see her on the same day that you're meeting with the teacher. Uh, Please. So, um, And she's only got a few of them, so... You know, they really are, if you have any pressing issues or questions, you can sign up to see her. 
And uh, she will be sitting in on all of our um, interviews. Uh, I think today with me and the, the next two days with Tara and Victoria. And, you know, if you want, you can ask to be seen alone if you don't want her to be there. So please feel free to do that. And Christina will also offer eating meditation at the 11 o'clock sit. So please come to that. Is it 11.30? Okay, 11.30 sit. 11, no. Oh, okay. She will give the instructions at 11.20, right before lunch. Perfect time. <laughs> How to have a mindful lunch. And then um, the kitchen sangha is asking where all the cups are. Where are the teacups are missing? <laughs> so if you have any teacups in your room, please do bring them back and put them in the dishwashing area. And I just want to make a huge push for walking meditation. You know, it's not... I mean, I know that um, in the beginning it could be like, oh, now's my break time or whatever. But walking meditation, there's certain insights that are much more likely to arise in walking meditation than in sitting. So please do, um, please do try to practice with it. And a nature walk is excellent stress reduction, but a nature walk is not walking meditation. So uh, please, you know, realize that. Anything else? No? Oh, the, that, thank you, yes. The interview rooms are upstairs. We call it Guru Alley. <laughs> but if you look upstairs, uh, there's a number on each of the doors, and you'll find out where you're going to be interviewing. So the, there were no interviews yesterday, and so she, the um, person who put it up might have put the wrong date, but the, the interviews that are up there are for today. Is that your question? General schedule. Oh, general schedule. We'll make sure it's the new ones put up. Thanks. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.